Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show with a host who now simply prefers to be referred to as the talent. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly broadcast. Hey, it's 12 noon on Wednesday, International Pipe Smoking Day. Do you know where your pipes are? Well, go get them. We got a special extended IPSD 2013 Wednesday edition of the Pipes Magazine radio show glad you are all with us on today's show coming back for a second time tad gage and we're going to get into tobacco blending i'm going to hit him hard and get some details for you on tobacco blending and how he's done it and how you can do it at home in pipe parts i'm going to talk a little bit about my uh, trip and the state of the uh, pipe market in the uh, european union give a little bit on the pipe part of that in the mailbag i got a whole bunch of stuff to respond to a whole bunch of uh information to give out and then i'll uh, talk about the uh, personal side of my trip uh music gonna do a little bit longer piece of music i found a great piece from a danish master uh classical composer also a pipe smoker and then at the end a special ipsd rant whole bunch of stuff coming up in this show so i hope everybody's got a pipe got a place to uh, sit back and relax with it hope you're all gathered up together and listening in on the show we did doing the show early so that uh, the folks in europe can enjoy it on the same day and everybody here in the states if you're listening live great love to hear it hey that brings me to another thought uh dvrs i dvr a lot of shows and then watch them so i'm wondering raise your hands do you listen to the show live every Thursday? All right, thank you. Do you listen to a download of it over the weekend? Raise your hands. Thank you. And with the more popular trend right now, do you wait until you've got a couple of hours and sit down and listen to three or four episodes all in a row? Let me know what you think. Post those comments on the forums. Got a whole bunch to come up in this show. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Big thank you to smokingpipes.com for supporting us here at the show. Here we go with a special IPSD 2013 Pipes Magazine radio show. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at SmokingPipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. Hi, this is Pipe Babe Cynthia, and you're listening to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. We are back. It is the 2013 special edition of the Pipes Magazine Radio Show just for International Pipe Smoking Day. Uh, Check out uh, PipesMagazine.com, the newest Pipe Babe, Pipe Babe Jane. Her pictures are up. I want to recap a little bit on my uh, trip to Germany. This was a gathering of all the European distributors, manufacturers, most of the suppliers of pipes and pipe accessories, pipe tobacco. It is definitely for the European marketplace. 
While we are there, we're able to talk to several of the pipe factories that make stuff for us, talk to other distributors, talk to other brand owners, and see what's going on out on the market. I uh, spent some time with Antoine from Chacombe, talked to him about his new factory that he's building, talked to him about some of the new shapes and new ideas that they're working on. I uh, saw a couple of new accessories that he's working on that hopefully we'll see over here in the States. I uh, spent some time with Paul Winslow, lovely, wonderful handmade pipes, and Paul makes a great line of... Uh, more affordable pipes in the crown series probably one of the uh, best values out there uh had a beer with tom palmer from peterson pipes tom and i go way back it's always fun to catch up with him he and every one of the manufacturers there including us and all the pipe factories were talking about the increase in demand and how that's put a crunch on supply so Here's the state of the pipe market in the European Union. Uh, they're seeing a boom in sales just like we are. We're seeing more and more people interested in pipes, more pipe smokers, more people buying pipes. It's not a big boom, but it's caught a sleepy industry by surprise, and Briar is not easy to get. The younger generation doesn't want to go out and work out in the hills and harvesting briar. It's a hard job. It takes time to get the briar, take it to the cutter, have the cutter do the curing on it. So the pipe factories are having a hard time getting enough briar or getting the right quality of briar for the pipes. So that's why you're seeing shortages in brands because we don't want to put out a pipe or put out a lower quality of a pipe, we want to make sure that we're given the best quality. And every manufacturer wants to keep their quality standards up. So you're going to see some spotty shortages, and that's going to be globally. Every brand is dealing with this at this point where we just can't get the right product. And it's going to take some time for the supply to catch up to this demand that's... Uh, caught them all by surprise and remember you're talking about an industry that for the past 40 to 50 years has just seen decreases year after year after year and now it's an almost entirely hand processed piece of wood that goes through several different steps to get to become a pipe well it's going to take some time to catch up even the Two companies that make the Vulcanite stem plugs. They're running at maximum capacity right now, and they're having a hard time keeping up, so we don't have some, some of the stems that we need for pipes. But everybody is seeing that. Now, from a European market standpoint, I didn't see much in the way of brand new tobaccos that kind of made me stand up and go, ooh. I do uh, get a big giggle out of seeing several of the brands that we're only used to seeing in 50-gram and 100-gram tins. In Europe, most of them are sold by the pouch, so I get a chance to see the pouches. I see that all the time. Was pleasantly uh, surprised to still see uh, McBaron and Orlick pipe tobaccos in uh, duty-free shops. So pipe smoking still of interest, but hey, let's cut this rambling short. We're going to get right over to uh, Tad Gage because I got a lot to talk to him about all on this special 2013 edition of uh, 2013 International Pipe Smoking Day edition of the Pipes Magazine radio show. We'll be back in just a minute. Cup of Joe's has exciting news coming. Keep checking out cupofjoes.com or their Facebook page for their amazing announcement. Cup of Joe's Mountain Royal Plaza, Queensbury. Cup of Joe's. Quality products, extraordinary prices. There's nothing quite like a good book. Or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. <laughs> This is Internet Radio. Please welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show, Doctor of Pipes, Master of Blending, and the uh, 
black belt in the art of reviewing tobaccos, Tad Gage. Tad, you are the first return or uh, repeat guest, so that either means that you had so much fun before or you're really mad and you want to get even with me, but uh, welcome back. Hey, it's great to have a second shot at you. I'm here to educate, elucidate, substantiate. Those are all big words. We'd like to thank you for rehearsing that. Um <laughs> So the reason I brought you back is this is International Pipe Smoking Day, and I thought, what else would be better than to talk about, to talk to somebody who not only reviews a bunch of tobaccos, but has created and blended a couple of tobaccos over his years in the hobby, and get more in-depth and more in detail in those blends. So I want to take you back. Are you ready? We're going I'm back. Ready. We're going back to 1987. When you first started working on Three Oaks, and the blend first came out in 1989, now, at that point, you'd only been smoking for a, a while. Uh, what inspired you, or what possessed you to think that you wanted to do your own blend? You know, I was uh, really a, a fool on that. If I'd, known, if I'd known then what I know now, I never would have given it a try. But, uh, you know, what, what inspired me was that uh, uh, a fellow Pipe Club member uh, let me try some vintage uh, um, John Cotton Smyrna, and it was just absolutely fantastic. It was a very heavy Latakia blend, and uh, I, I said, boy, I would love to replicate that. And at that time, I hadn't really ever, I hadn't had anything currently made that was, that was like that, and uh, so I, I just decided to, to dive in. So I, I actually was was friendly with Barry Levin, who owned Levin Pipes International, and I just said, "Hey, you know, I, I'd love to try my hand at doing this. Um, and you know, what do I need to get started?" And he said, "Well, you know, he had a relationship with Mike and Mary McNeil at McClellan's, and he said, give them a call, and you know, see if they'll sell you some bulk tobacco, which they did. And you know, I, I just bought a whole bunch of different tobaccos and got rolling on it." When did John Cotton's leave the market? Oh boy, I, I think it was uh, I think it was the seventies, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, like a lot of those old line tobacco companies, they they just got bought up by somebody, and then um, the brand the the blends got discontinued over time. So um, I think they disappeared in the in the seventies sometime. So I was smoking some pretty old stuff. So you were smoking tobacco that had probably been aging for, on on an average, about 15 years at that point. Yeah, how exactly, do, 15, 20 years. So how do you even know where to start when you're trying to trying to recreate something that's already 15 years old? Well, yeah, that's always a tough one. And, and you know, obviously a lot of folks out there try and recreate the old blends. And, you know, I... I, I started off knowing that I wasn't going to absolutely match it because I'd done enough reading and studying and talking to people who knew a lot more than I did. So I knew that the tobacco had changed over the years. I knew I couldn't get the exact, you know, same tobaccos. I didn't have a formula to follow. So I was, I was really kind of looking to, uh, to replicate the spirit of that tobacco. And it was, it was very heavy, very heavy in Latakia. Um, but it also had some nice sweetness and a little bit of oriental flavor. And, uh, you know, I, I, and I, I, the club member was kind enough to give me a sample and, uh, that I could play with. And I just, uh, I just started trying to, you know, create something that at least captured that, captured that spirit of what just blew me away when I smoked it. What are the base tobaccos in it? Well, there's a, a, a goodly amount of Latakia, and uh, there's some Oriental, and uh, I think a real uh, a real uh, bonus in that was that I discovered uh, uh, McClellan's 5100, which is a, a red Virginia, and it's very sweet, and that added kind of a sweetness and a balance to the blend that uh, that I hadn't found in a lot of English blends at that point. And then there is, and I think this is the first place I've ever said this publicly, there is just a scotch of Perique in it. Are there any other flavorings or additives to it besides uh, besides moisture? Nope, absolutely not. No, I, uh, I'm not a big fan of any flavorings or casings, and I, I just wanted to try and create something that, uh, 
you know, that, that replicated what they did back in the old days. So I got, I got myself to scale and uh, just started sort of creating batches almost, uh, I don't know, just almost blind and just tried to analyze the tobacco as best I could, which is something I learned over time is exactly what you want to do if you want to replicate a tobacco. You lay it out on paper and you really try and pick out, you know, a certain amount of, of uh, the tobacco and you pick out the strands and you try and identify how much is, you know, of each of those tobaccos is in there, which is a tough thing to do with a 20-year-old tobacco because the colors all tend to blend, so it, it sort of turns to a uniform dark brown, but I did the best I could. I had a brilliant question. Oh, the, now I remember. Um, you were... When you're mixing these trial batches or these trial blends, how long were you letting the tobaccos sit together before you'd smoke them or try to get a true representation of what they would taste like? You know, I actually did not wait too long on that. Uh, I try and give them, you know, I, I make up a couple of different percentage blends, and I let them sit for a couple of days just so they could marry. Uh, in retrospect, again, that was probably... Uh, not exactly the right way to do it, but it gave me enough that I could try the tobacco after a couple of days and say, wow, this has just got too much Latakia, or there's too much Virginia, or there's too much, uh, you know, Oriental in it, and then make some adjustments and kind of do that. So it, it took a little while. I mean, it, it took a good month and a half or two months to get it on the head. Now, a lot of the listeners have asked for more details on blending. Are you willing to tell us what the moisture content is? You know, I'm I'm not sure what the moisture content is because I, you know, I just worked with the tobaccos that, that I had to work with. I, I will tell you that they, you know, you open them up, they dry out. So, but that's that's really something that uh, I was just working with the man, you know, with the, the bulk blends that I had. Is the moisture in them, is, is it set so that you can age the tobacco longer? and then open it, or is it meant to be smoked that way originally, even though a whole bunch of us dry our tobaccos down? Well, you know, and I'm in that school as well, that I often will dry a tobacco down a little bit. Uh, and, and personally, I prefer a tobacco that's just maybe on the, slightly on the moist side when you, you know, when you open the tin. I think it works better for the aging process, and, you know, it just protects the tobacco. Um and, and I think it accelerates the aging process a little bit, too. When a tobacco is so dry, you know, when it's tin, there's just not a lot of marrying of flavors and so forth. But, you know, I've, I've opened, I've opened uh, a few of the old tins that I have of Three Oaks, which, by the way, uh, one side benefit that I never expected was this, the original Three Oaks blend ages really, really well. It kind of mellows and gets a lot of depth, and I think that's owing to the Virginia. But I didn't originally blend it with that in mind. But I'll, I'll open an old tin that's maybe 15, 20 years old, and it'll still have nice moisture. It, it's in a very tightly sealed tin. Uh, and I still might let it dry down for a, for a day or two. But, uh, and then it, start, then it starts to really dry out, so you've got to kind of make sure it's, it's protected so that you can actually finish the tin without it going completely, uh, uh, you know, brittle. Do you remember how many different versions you mixed up before you hit on the one you wanted? Probably at least uh, 40 iterations. How many other people besides you smoked it to help you decide which one? You know what? Nobody. I was completely on my own, and uh, I, I, I guess I was new enough at the whole thing. I, I didn't have that many, you know, good friends in the hobby. I was just sort of uh, developing relationships. So I just did it on my own, and then uh, you know Barry agreed to uh, to promote it in his monthly newsletter that he sent out or mailer, and uh, I got a few orders. So I just. Uh, you know, kind of expanded the proportions, blended it up in a in a plastic garbage bag, put it in uh, zipper seal bags, and sent it out. And I started getting really positive responses from people. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll find out more about those initial batches. And, and I want to ask you about the name. So uh, everybody hang on. Special International Pipe Smoking Day edition. We'll be back with Tad Gage. More in just a minute.
need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We are back on a uh, special Wednesday edition of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Tad, where did the name Three Oaks come from? When I I conceived of the blend and started working on it, I was in the midst of restoring a uh, a National Register historic home, and uh, it was it was actually named Three Oaks because originally there were three large oak trees that were planted out front. I thought it was a cool name, and uh, I had uh, I had the artist that actually created the uh, covers for the Complete Smoker magazine. If any of you might have heard of that or seen it. And uh, she designed up uh, what I think is just an awesome, you know, oak leaf uh, cover, and and um, that's what we went with. Looks very Confederate to me. Oh, it was a, a pure Yankee product. Pure Yankee product with a Confederate slant. <laughs> there you go. Now you said uh, before the break that the first mixes of it were done in a in Ziploc bags and then sold that way. That yeah, uh, and 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 honestly, I don't think you can you can do that today. There's just too much uh, regulation with ATF. I mean, you could do it for yourself and blend it up, but uh, to actually sell it commercially would be uh, would be problematic. But uh, yeah, I just blended it uh, probably in about uh, five uh, five ten pound batches at a time, and then uh, you know would fill orders for a half a pound or a pound, and then blend up more when uh, when I was gone. When did it start going into a tin? Uh, well, actually, got, uh, it was popular enough that uh, we uh, we I, I talked with uh, McClellan and uh, and they thought it was, you know they were interested and Barry actually Barry Levin promoted it as uh, one of uh, the first one of his what was going to be the signature series where he would have. Uh, well-respected pipe smokers and knowledgeable people create blends uh, with their signature on it. Unfortunately, uh, he passed away before he was able to do any more, so it was the first and only signature blend that uh, that Levin Pipes International ever did. But, uh, you know, so then, again, Barry uh, pretty much marketed it uh, through his mailer. It uh, It didn't initially go on the store shelves and so forth, but Again, popular demand. It, it, it joined the uh, it joined the, the lineup there. Was it off the market for a while? Indeed, it was for quite quite a long time. It uh, it when when Barry passed away, uh, you know, it didn't get picked up as 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 a blend, and uh, so the, yeah, there was a pretty long gap when it wasn't available. And uh, I'm very I'm re- I'm really honored and flattered to say that. Uh, I heard from an awful lot of people uh, telling me, gee, I'm really, really sorry that tobacco is gone. I really miss it. So, yeah, I was really excited about having the opportunity to, uh, you know, to resurrect it and get it back uh, into circulation. Talk us through the resurrection process because you have, you now have two versions of it. You have a Syrian and a Cyprian Latakia version. Were those done at the same time? Yeah, they were actually. Uh, I, I had the original formula, and and, and McClellan's obviously had it because they were the ones that uh, you know actually did. Uh, I created the formula, but they did the blending and tinning. So uh, it was about two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and uh, I just got to talking with them, and we decided that it would be kind of a cool thing to reintroduce uh, Three Oaks uh, as part of their lineup. And then um, got an idea from uh, Ronnie Bickishan, who's a, a pipe piper store, and uh, he said, "Well, you know, um, they have some they have some Syrian tobacco. Why don't you do a Syrian version?" And I was just about ready to kiss him because I said, "What a brilliant idea!" So I had the original blend, and then I thought I I kind of do a riff on that and introduce 
some this really outstanding uh, Syrian Latakia and see what happens. Can you describe the slight? I, I'm assuming there's slight differences between the two, but can you describe them? Well, yeah, uh, you know, Syrian, as far as flavor goes, I've always thought Syrian was a little bit uh, fruitier and a little more resinous almost, and, and it actually is a little bit more powerful than uh, Cyprian Latakia. Um, and it uses a different leaf. Uh, it's Shekel bent, uh, bent uh, which is the leaf used for Syrian, and uh, where Cyprian Latakia uses uh, Smyrna leaf. They're, they're both oriental tobaccos, but... They're, they're somewhat different. They're cured, heat-cured in barns using different processes, different woods, different uh, resinous branches. So that also gives gives them a slightly, uh, you know, well, actually a significantly different flavor, at least to me. Did you notice any difference in the... Uh in the Virginias or the other the other base component tobaccos when you were blending them versus what you originally had back in the 80s and this now? Well, yeah, I will say, and I, I, I don't mean to sound too, uh, too glowing here, but I think over the years, uh, if anything, McClellan, the, the quality of the tobaccos that they were getting just continued to improve. I mean, it was great to start with, but what I was working with when I reintroduced the original and was working on creating the Syrian version, uh, they were just phenomenal, high-grade, super-quality tobaccos. So to me, that that made it, you know, really fun and and you know interesting. It's it's tough if you're trying to work with a tobacco that's maybe not not first-rate. And there are definitely a lot of different grades and you know a lot of different qualities uh, that that you can find, whether it's Burleys or Virginias or anything else. How long do you like to age both versions? before you start smoking them? Hey, that's a super interesting question. Um, you know, I, I again, I, I hadn't thought of this when I created Three Oaks Original, uh, but I think that Three Oaks Original really, really benefits from about uh, three years in the tin. I personally think it's, it's, you know, it's great to smoke right out of the tin, but it, it really mellows and, and just blends beautifully um, with a couple of years under its belt. The Syrian, I really created to be, I won't say a Latakia powerhouse, but, uh, you know, with, with more than 50% Latakia, and it does have Syrian and Cyprian both, um, you know, I really blended that to be, you know, sort of a right out of the blocks, uh, you know, once you open that tin, it was, it was ready to go. Uh, and it ages well, you know, for sure. But I, 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 in my mind, I really, I wanted that, you know, a little more powerful, um, if you will, Latakia Bob, right from the get-go. Is there a move in the past 20 years since, really it's been 20 years since you started thinking about this, um, is there a move towards heavier Latakia blends? You know, I, I would say, I would say probably there's some truth in that. Uh, you know, I, I feel like the some of the old time blends like uh, Balkan Sobrani Seven Five Nine or the John Cotton Smyrna, you know, I, I think those were were pretty pretty intense with Latakia. Then there seemed to be kind of a period where, you know, there just wasn't quite as much uh, you know emphasis on that. And uh, I think in the last ten or twelve, fifteen years, I think there's definitely been a move to. Uh, you know, to, to to have some of these heartier blends. Again, it it to me uh, with Latakia particularly, it's a, it's really a matter of balance. I like to smoke it straight. I wouldn't want to do it all the time, but I love if it's good Latakia. I like the way it tastes. I do find you know there are some blends that are just so so heavy with Latakia that it just drowns out everything else. It's a very cool smoking tobacco. It's very smooth. But you know, it really needs other elements to uh, to sweeten it, to balance it a little bit. But but yeah, I would say I, one thing that gives me a chuckle is when I look at some of the online reviews. Which you know, again, I'm really flattered that so many people seem to really like both the Three Oaks and the and particularly the Three Oaks Syrian. 
but uh, I always chuckle when, you know, when I see a review that says, you know, I like it, but it just doesn't have quite enough Latakia for me. And I'm thinking, you know, with more than 50% Latakia in it, I'm, I'm kind of wondering how much Latakia you need to have in there. You know, to me, that's, that's pushing the upper limits of uh, how much Latakia you want in a blend. I think, and this is my own opinion again, uh, the fact that it's got more than 50% Latakia in it, the reason that they're wanting more Latakia in there is that it's probably a really good high-grade Latakia, and it doesn't have that punch of one-year-old fresh Cyprian whatever Latakia. Yeah, Cyprian Latakia can actually get pretty bitter, if it's uh, if again, if it's maybe not the highest grade, um, now unfortunately, Syrian Latakia, it 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 sort of had a, a a resurgence in the late '80s, early '90s when some was being grown. Then it essentially disappeared for a good long time, and then uh, for just a few short years, in uh, I think it was the early 2000s, um, production started again. And it wasn't actually, I think, grown in Syria. I think it was grown in Turkey. But it was basically the same process, the same leaf and everything like that that, that to create the Latakia. And then the, the makers just decided that they, uh, you know, it was just not cost-effective or economical for whatever reason to continue doing it. And, uh, you know, fortunately and unfortunately, there was a lot of it that, that um, McClellan's was able to get quite a bit. And they actually moved it all to their warehouse in, in Kansas City. Uh, but unfortunately, a number of the other makers kept their Latakia at a warehouse that uh, burned down. So that was kind of the end of Syrian Latakia for pretty much everybody except McClellan. Will you stay with us for a, for another another segment here? I want to take a quick break, and then I've got a couple questions to ask you that we'll, uh, we'll wrap up with after, if you can hang on for another 10 minutes. You bet. We'll be back with Tad more in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Cup of Joe's has exciting news coming. Keep checking out cupofjoes.com or their Facebook page for their amazing announcement. Cup of Joe's, Mount Royal Plaza, Queensbury. Cup of Joe's, quality products, extraordinary prices. Welcome back. Hey, we're going to take a quick musical break here. So while I was in Denmark, I uh, had heard about a composer named Homebro, Von Homebro. Danish-born pipe smoker composer. So this piece is his Fanfare Opus 121. It's a little bit longer than the normal music that I play, but uh, this is a special day. So here's uh, some Danish classical music. Thank you. 
spelled von v-a-g-n holmbo h-o-l-m-b-o-e born in uh, horsens jutland horsens is the same town where uh, anc peterson had their factory for many many years on uh, several of his recordings you'll see him sitting there puffing on his pipes so listen to him for a while while i was on the train in denmark hey we'll be back uh get tad gage back on the phone here and we'll finish up with him in just a minute Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at Smokingpipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. We are back with Tad Gage, still on the phone for a special extended edition for International Pipe Smokers Day. Tad, when you're when you're smoking Three Oaks Original or the Three Oaks, uh, the Three Oaks Syrian, is there a particular pipe size, shape, style that you suggest our listeners try it in? Well, you know, both of those are are, are mixtures, so they're kind of a medium ribbon cut. And, uh, you know, they really work well in pretty much any size pipe. I mean, I know that sounds like a cop-out, but there, there are certain cuts of tobacco where you get, you know, large flakes or, uh, uh, you know, like a, a roll tobacco that, that might be better in a, in a little bit larger uh, bowl size, you know, like a, a Dunhill Group 4, Group 5 type of thing. Um, I don't know if that means a whole lot to anybody, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think that, those tobaccos really do better in a large pipe, and I think if it's a very fine cut, I find that those tobaccos do better in smaller pipes uh, just because the combustion is such that, I, I don't know, I find when it's in a in a larger bowl, it just kind of dissipates uh, and, and gets lost. So I, I really, I have to say, I think with Three Oaks, I feel pretty good about it with very small pipes, and I have some larger bowl pipes, and I think it, it works really well there, too. You know, that sounds like a cop-out, because I'm saying it works great in anything, but um, that's my feeling. Okay, so you copped out of that one, chicken. All right, here's here's the hard question. We're going to step away from McClellan for now, because not everybody is a fan of the McClellan Virginia flavor. A lot of our listeners like to home blend or tweak the blends that they buy with a little additives or you know, a little little additive here and there. Give us your suggestions for how our listeners should start with blending their own tobacco. Well, I would say, that, you know what, and it's a lot of fun to blend tobaccos and play with it. I'm not sure every manufacturer digs the idea that one of their sacred blends or whatever is, is being infiltrated by other tobaccos, but I'm a firm believer that, you know, smoke what you like and have a little fun with it as well. Uh, you know, I think it's a lot like cooking. 
where you'll cook a dish and you'll try it and you'll say, boy, it needs a little more salt or it needs a little more pepper or, you know, some flavor ingredient. And I think that's the way I approach tobaccos is, is very much, I like to cook and it's very much like, like cooking. You sort of, you just have to sort of sit back and, and, and if you have enough sort of experience smoking different types of tobaccos, like a Latakia's versus the Turkish or Orientals or Virginia's, you can, you know, if you give it a little thought, you can kind of say, you know, maybe maybe this blend would be even more interesting to me with, let's say, a little bit of burley. For instance, I, I think burley can be a nice addition to some of the more traditional English blends that are primarily Oriental and Latakia. Uh, if you have, let's say, uh, uh, a Virginia blend that you that you like, and you really have to start with a, you know, some kind of a mixture that that you actually enjoy and are looking to make it better, not trying to turn something you don't really like into something you do. Um, so if you have like a Virginia mix, primarily a Virginia mixture, that might be a good candidate for adding just a little bit of Latakia. And you can buy blending tobaccos out there, just straight, you know, blending tobaccos. Or you could take a couple of two or three different blends if you want, and uh, and mix them together and, and give it a try. It's 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 kind of like uh, it's it's a grand experiment. So, I to me some of it I think is is creating a balance in a mixture. So there are mixtures that I like, but I just feel like you know if it had just a little more of this or just a little more of that, um, that those I think are blends that. Uh, you know, really uh, give you an opportunity to, to go to town and have a little bit of fun. And, for instance, there, there are a lot of, uh, you know, Virginia smokers out there that aren't nuts about Latakia but can tolerate a small amount. So if they have a Virginia blend that they really like, they say, you know, I wonder how this would be with just a little bit of Latakia, not as much as, you know, somebody else might put in. And, and so that's, that's a really nice starting point. Let's and then let's you know get, what? Let, yeah, yeah. I yeah. want to get real factual here for a minute because some of us are some of us are very factual, logical, detailed people. So here's what I'm picturing. I've got a tin of Dunhill nine six five. It's a fifty gram tin current production, and I want to add what you said is a little bit of burley to it to just to just to add just to kind of water it down or do whatever. I like the burley taste, so I want to add a little bit of burley to it. Exactly how many grams would you suggest I start out with? Well, you know, I, I would certainly not say dedicate an entire 50-gram tin and, and do the whole thing. I, I would maybe take, uh, and it's tough if you don't have a scale, but you can sort of eyeball it, maybe take uh, two or three bowlfuls and then kind of add in a little bit of, of, of the burley to that and see how it works for you. I mean, when, when I was creating the Three Oaks blend, I was using a gram scale and being very, very exact because I knew that those proportions would have to be ramped up, you know, into a production thing. But if you don't have, like, a, a pretty accurate gram scale, um, it's it's really more about just sort of doing a, a, almost a pinch of this or a pinch of that. I know it sounds very unscientific. I mean, you could use, for instance, uh, like a, a little one of those scooping cup measuring things, you know, and, and maybe do, uh, I don't know, a cup or a half a cup of, of uh, you know, of the base blend, and then maybe uh, a, ta- a teaspoon or a tablespoon of, uh, you know, the blending condiment that you're using, whether it's another blend or just a base tobacco. So let's say I've gone to Walmart because I'm really into this and I got a dietary gram scale, which is what I actually have at home, and I've measured out um, seven grams because that's, that's about two bowls full for me. I'm going to take and add maybe to that to, at the start, maybe one gram of, a, of another component that I want to add into it. Does that sound? You know, I, I, yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty good mix. You could even go with two, uh, because the idea is once you blend that together and mix it up with again, whether it's a, uh, just a blending tobacco or it's another blend, that'll give you an idea. I mean, you'll, you'll smoke that first bowl or two, and you know, you'll then then you can kind of say, okay, there's too much of this, or this is working, but you know, maybe a little less of the blending component. So. It's very, very much trial and error. It's the same thing I did with my tobaccos. I think it's kind of what 
what most blenders do with their tobaccos. I mean, uh, you, you just, there's no way around just going through the process, but if you can sort of initially try that first effort and say, yeah, I'm liking this, uh, but it's not there, you know, don't, don't give up. I mean, if you're, if you just hate it, then, then give up. It didn't work. But if you're liking it, then you just have to kind of assess, well, what characteristics are there and what, you know, do I need a little more, a little less? Uh, would something else be good in there? Uh, you know, very much trial, trial and error. Would you suggest letting it age in, say, like a Ziploc bag for a couple of days before you tried it? Yeah, I would. I think that works really well, and a zipper zipper seal bag uh, is is plenty fine for you know retaining the moisture for a few days. I mean, beyond that, if I'm storing tobacco, I'll put it in mason jars, um, you know, which have a better seal. They don't have to be vacuum sealed, but it just keeps better. But sure, zip, zipper seal bag for a, few, a couple of days, and just kind of let it rest and let the flavors marry. I I think that's uh, you know that's definitely a good idea. I'll I'll remind everybody of my blend testing technique, which is to, yes, I've done this at home myself and mixed up small samples, put them in Ziploc bags, and then put them in a sunny window for a couple of days, and that sunlight actually helps speed up the marrying maturation process for me. Uh, but there really is there really is no right or wrong way to it. Are there specific styles of tobacco blends that you like to add a little bit of this or a little bit of that to? Um, well, <laughs> I, the craziest one is that uh, I, 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 this was actually something developed by Fred Hanna, um, who's uh, written a you know great book on, on pipe collecting and, and smoking, uh, and it's the, the Latakia bomb. And, and, you know, for instance, there are a few aromatic blends, that work great when you blend them with about 50% Latakia. And you get this incredible smoky, fruity, um, you know, product that's just, just unreal. But, you know, I'd say, uh, I would say, uh, uh, I, I, I do actually, I'm, I'm not a big Burley fan, but I do actually like to play around with trying to add Burley to some blends in small amounts. Um, I think sometimes uh, makers just, like especially with English blends, it'll be just a little too much burly for my tastes. But I, I really do like adding burly as a component. Another thing I like to do is if I, if I feel a blend needs a little bit of sweetness, I have a few go-to sweeter Virginias that uh, I like to add and see if that kind of rounds out the flavor a little bit. And I like taking a blend that's smoking too hot for me and adding Perique to it and just keep adding more Perique until I figure out where exactly it is. Uh, yeah, I, I love Perique. I can smoke it straight. Uh, and again, not that I'd want to all the time, but I think it's a, it's a great seasoning used in, in judicious proportions. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird tobacco. I remember I, I had a bunch that I was using in my original Three Oaks and, um, and when I stopped blending it myself and, and had that uh, taken over by uh, another, you know, by McClellan, uh, I left the Perique in a, in a cool, dry closet. It came back about four months later, and it was absolutely covered with mold. And I think that's just a function of Perique being so sweated and, you know, juicy and everything. It was, it was quite a shock. It's somewhat of a disappointment. Perique's a little bit touchy that way. But I'll, I'll agree with you. Perique, uh, you know, is, is a great seasoning agent and um uh, it, it can it can add a lot of depth and richness and a little bit of pepper to uh to a lot of blends with that we're going to get on to the rest of the show tad i want to thank you hey everybody if you want to find out where some uh blending components are take a look at the bulk tobacco offerings that are on online on some of your favorite retailers a lot of them sell just a basic oriental or a basic burley a basic perique that you can buy by the ounce tad you're wonderful can we get you to come back in uh in a couple of weeks maybe and we'll uh talk about how you taste test and review tobaccos which you do a ton of reviews on if you'll have me back i would uh, be delighted all right everybody if you want to have tad back posted in the comments we'll uh, get tad to talk about taste testing and reviewing tobaccos in the future but only if you want to hear from Tad, thank you very much. Happy International uh, Pipe Smoking Day. Happy International Pipe Smoking Day to you, and thanks for having me on on such a special day for all of us. 
and we'll be back in just a minute. Uh, say, uh, Arthur, how would you pronounce uh, L-O-N-G? Why, long, of course. Uh-huh, uh-huh, that's right. Now, how do you pronounce L-O-N-G-E-R? Longer. Uh, say, what is this, fifth-grade recitation? Uh, no, it's just my way of reminding you that king-size wing cigarettes are 20% longer. Which means wings are cooler and smoother. Get a pack of longer, cooler, smoother... You've got some mail. Well, let's get caught up with some stuff in the mailbag. Hey, I was really happy to see everybody's comments on their favorite uh, pairings of drinks and smokes. I'm going to look into doing some uh, non-alcoholic beverages in the future. I also want to take a closer look at some wines coming up as well. Uh, John Seiler, great to have you back on the uh, live episodes. We missed you, definitely missed you. Dino, um, show was not pre-recorded. The interview where I was smoking was pre-recorded. And, uh, yeah, that was done right here in the smoke-filled office. So no smoking in that hotel room. I guarantee you 100% I did not smoke in my hotel room. Big, 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 big finds. A couple of comments on the uh, on Richard Friedman's pipes. Yeah, not all pipes have to be uh, made for smoking and for comfort. When you're doing a collection like that, let the design and let the uh, stature of it uh, just uh, go and do its own thing. So let me handle a couple of corrections right here. Everything that guy just says bullshit. Thank you. I was wrong about the Esoterica blend. Our own uh, Gregory Pease, I'm so touched that you listened to the show and that you were kind enough to email me when I made a mistake. Uh, Greg tells me that the Esoterica blend was not started by Mike Butera. It was, in fact, Steve Richmond, the uh, current owner of Piedmont Tobacconist in Oakland, that started the brand. And then uh, Greg was involved in the initial blending panels with that, and then it was Mike Butera that uh, brought it out bigger and better than ever before. Uh, On my trip, got double confirmation, triple confirmation. The Dunhill blends have not moved. They are still being made in the Orlick factory. There was, however, a slight change made to the uh, backside labels in order to... uh, comply with some uh, other countries warning requirements so that's what uh that's what the uh, changes were uh, made for and why the backside labels look a little bit different still made in the same place though uh let's see on the personal side of the trip hey i uh, sent kevin earlier a picture of oliver twist Went and visited their factory. It is still a hand-spun rope, and they were kind enough to give me about two feet of the rope. It's made out of Pennsylvania broadleaf tobacco, 100% pure tobacco. So take a look at that picture. That's uh, sitting next to just a standard size pipe. So you get an idea of what the ropes look like. Um, had some really good meals, but even more important than that, uh, I like schnapps. I like all the after-dinner drinks that you can get in Europe and enjoyed several of them. Tried apple wine, really good. Kind of sneaks up on you. You drink it, you drink it. It doesn't really uh, taste like a mild version of a hard cider. And uh, you have a couple of them and you don't know it, but uh, it'll uh, it'll sneak up and get you if you're not too careful with it. Uh, Ate some schnitzel. Had no idea what schnitzel was going into this, but I knew it was some sort of meat thing. Looked like chicken fried steak. Pounded out, really tender and tasty, and all different kinds of uh, treatments to it. So enjoyed that. Ate some real German pretzels. Real German pretzels. Don't taste anything like what we get over here. A little bit different. Brought one back for my daughter. Brought it back on the airplane. Had it, got it. Bought it fresh in the uh, Frankfurt airport that morning, and 12 hours later, she was eating it. Uh, not exactly the freshest one, but uh, still, she actually had a pretzel baked in Germany. Um, I would like to say that we all know that I like coffee, 
and everywhere you go in Europe, the coffee is just wonderful. Why can't we get it right here? Yeah, you might pay two bucks for just a regular coffee or two and a half euro for a regular coffee, but God, is it good coffee. Everywhere you go, they know how to make coffee over there. Let me say I also um, met a friend on the airplane on the ride back. Uh, Zula, she's from Germany, born and raised there. And uh, she was teaching me German and I was teaching her some English. Uh, She'll be two in May. And uh, she was a lot of fun. She was sitting with her parents in the uh, across the aisle next to me, and we got to chatting. And she kept me occupied for a while, and she took a nap. And anyway, uh, really impressive to meet a child that's uh, yeah nineteen, twenty months old, and can count to ten in two languages and knows colors in both languages. So her parents are doing a great job with her. She was a uh, she was a real treat and made my flight back a little more enjoyable. I want to take this moment on International Pipe Smoking Day to say a special thank you to three people in particular. They're the moderators on pipesmagazine.com. They do a lot of work and help out with those forums and they do it all just because they care. The three people are Lawrence, Jason, and Ben. Jason goes by Lord Noble. Ben goes by Uberam 3 Rika. If you get a chance, send them a private message or find them on the forums and thank them for all the work they do. I appreciate it. I know that the uh, forums are a much better place because of that. So, Hey, I hope you've been, you're enjoying this uh, longer, supersized edition for International Pipe Smoking Day. Next week, we'll be back to our normally scheduled time every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget, if you want to take the show on the road, the show is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Podkicker, Podcast.com. Spotify now has it. You can also follow me on Facebook. Just search my name. It's right there out in the open for everybody. Send me a friend request. I'll... Add you to my friends list, and you'll get to see what I'm doing up close and personal. Uh, make sure and uh, post comments on the shows. Love to read those comments. Read every one of them, so post them on the forums. Got any uh, questions about what we've covered this week? Pop them in the forums. Hey, guess what time it is? Cowboy. Cowboy. That's right, it's Rant Time, IPSD, 2013 Rant Time, and here it is. No rant, no not at all, but cue the music, here we go, it's a call to arms. I want to call all of the Brotherhood of the Briar, everybody who smokes a pipe, to raise your pipes up high, march outside, and sometime in the next week, smoke your pipe out in public. Let people know that there are still pipe smokers out there in the world. Let them know exactly who we are, that we enjoy it. No longer will we hide. No longer will we be put down. No longer will we be set into a private setting where you can't see us. No longer will we be taxed and put asunder. No, I'm asking you, every one of the members of the Brotherhood of the Briar, to join with me and be seen, be heard, be smelled, get outside, let everybody see that we are pipe smokers, we are proud of what we do, we're proud of what we enjoy. This is not a rant, this is not a rave, this is a call to arms for all of us to get outside, be seen. Let people know that we have a hobby, we have something that we enjoy, and they can't stop us, they can't take it away from us, and we will not be put down. That's right, I want everybody in the next week to go to a public place where it's legal, please, where it's legal, this is a peaceful legal protest, be seen smoking your pipes, be seen in public. Let people see what a pipe smoker of 2013 looks like 
and maybe, hey, just maybe, we'll find another brother of the briar. Bring them into the fold. Let them know about the forums. Let them know about this show. Be seen. Be heard. Don't let them put us down. That is the 2013 IPSD Special Edition of the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Remember, again, next week, same normal time, Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Every Thursday, a brand new show is available on PipesMagazine.com. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope everybody has a chance to get together with a fellow uh, pipe smoker today and puffs away. Hey, guess what? It's lunchtime for me, so I'll just say until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather If you want me to wear 37 pieces of flair like your uh, pretty boy over there, Brian, why don't you just make the minimum 37 pieces of flair? <laughs>